is the Equity Experience Podcast, a space created for every educator or school leader who is authentically pursuing equity and inclusion in their classrooms and schools. I'm your host, Dr. Carla Manning, and I welcome you. Hello, hello, good day, and welcome to the Equity Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So I am Dr. Carla Manning. I am CEO and founder of the Equity Leadership Group, where our mission is to help educators and school leaders shift mindsets, develop transformative policies for equity while supporting their growth as equity-centered individuals. So be sure to check us out at www.equityleadershipgroup.com for more information. So again, welcome to the show. This is episode 66. And on today's show, we are going to talk about conducting an equity audit, (laughs) okay? This is a topic and an area that I received so many questions from equity champions, advocates, from superintendents, from principals, from people in general who are interested in doing equity work within their districts or organizations. And I always get questions around, just very general questions like, Dr. Manning, what is an equity audit? Or our district is thinking about doing an equity audit, but we don't know where to start or we don't know what to do first. Or should we even do an equity audit and why is an equity audit necessary? So these are questions that I receive a lot from people. And so I thought it would be a good idea to come on the podcast and to just give you this information, (laughs) like all in one sitting, so that people can have just sort of the basics and have an understanding as to what an equity audit means. As I always like to say that an equity audit, it kind of reminds me of the song by Michael Jackson called A Man in the Mirror, or as I like to say, The Woman in the Mirror, because I'm a woman. But anyway, I like to say that an equity audit is this opportunity to look at yourself in the mirror, or it's an opportunity for a school district to look at itself in the mirror, because that is what an equity audit does. It shows you, you, like all of you, (laughs) all of the good things, the bad things, the beautiful things, the not so beautiful things, like everything about the district or organization that needs to be examined, areas that need to be changed. And equity audit gives you that opportunity, okay? So in this podcast, uh, priority areas and guiding questions when conducting an equity audit, what I'm going to do is share with you like four pieces of information here. One, we're going to define what an equity audit is. I'm going to give you some more information around current work that's being done around equity audits. And then I'm going to give you several areas, several priority areas that you can investigate or explore during an equity audit. And then I'm also going to give you some questions to ask during that equity audit process. Okay. So this would be a very informative podcast as I like to have a lot of my podcasts to be. I mean, I I like to look at this podcast as like, you know, free information, right? I'm a teacher at heart. I've been a university professor. I love talking, obviously, and I love sharing information. So make sure you have a notebook and a pen because I'm going to give you a lot of information in today's podcast episode. And then at the very end, I'm going to do some slight marketing and promotion because I'm actually going to offer 
a live workshop focused on conducting an equity audit. So just stay tuned to the end of the podcast because I'm going to give you some more information. And then, of course, as my podcast listening community, you will receive a discount for the webinar, for the workshop that I'm going to host. Okay, so let's get into the nuts and bolts of the equity audit. So the first thing is, what is an equity audit? What is it? Okay, and before I give the definition, I quickly also want to say that an equity audit can also be identified as an equity inquiry. It can be identified as an equity evaluation, as an equity assessment, okay? The word audit might be a bit of a misnomer, and the word audit might be a bit off-putting for some people, right? Because oftentimes when we think of the word audit, we think of issues related to compliance, we think of consequences that might happen. An equity audit is not necessarily that, okay? at least within my company, okay, within the equity leadership group, we do not frame or position the equity audit as a compliance-based thing or process, nor are we advocating for any consequences to happen. Like, that's not why we are doing an equity audit. So with that being said, if some people within your organization take issue with the word audit, which is understandable, just know that there are other words and other language that can be used to refer to the same process, right? Again, equity inquiry, evaluation, assessment, et cetera. I'm going to use the word audit for this podcast just because that's just the language that I commonly use. But again, I'm not necessarily advocating for consequences or things to happen, but yes. So in any case, an equity audit or an equity inquiry is a leadership tool used to collect data for the purpose of identifying the presence and absence of equity within school operations, okay? So that's a very high-level definition of an equity audit, and I'll share it to share with you again. An equity audit is a leadership tool used to collect data for the purpose of identifying and analyzing the presence and absence of equity within school operations, okay? So in a nutshell, an equity audit, as I like to say, is a big research project, okay? It is a huge research project that involves both quantitative and qualitative methods, okay? So it is a huge mixed methods research project for the purpose of identifying equity within the school, okay? That's what an equity audit is. And we use equity audits to see the extent to which we see equity happening within a district or organization. And we also use an equity audit to see the absence, okay? So we need to understand the gaps, okay? What does equity look like? How is it happening? And then where is equity not happening within the district, okay? Those are some of the bigger questions that we would ask ourselves in terms of why we are doing an equity audit, okay? We need to find out the extent to which equity is present or absent within a district or organization. So how do we know that a school is equitable within their outcomes and their resources and their results? How do we know it? Okay. A person can go on a website or a social media post and declare all day 
that their district is leading change for equity and it's, you know, minimizing equity gaps, that's all well and good, but how do we know it? Okay. How are we measuring equity? So an equity audit gives us the opportunity to collect data, analyze data, and to say, okay, on this scale, this is how we can measure equity. This is how we know that equity is present within this district. Okay. Another definition or further or an extended definition, I should say, equity audits identify and analyze barriers that impede full participation access and opportunity for all students to receive an equitable and excellent education, okay? So within an equity audit, we also have the opportunity to explore the barriers, to explore the obstacles, okay? So it's not enough just for us to say, well, all of our students are not achieving success the same way. We need to know why, we need to know how, and we need to know what those barriers are. So an equity audit will give us the opportunity to see what those barriers are, to see in what ways is equity being prevented? Like how is equity being blocked? It's not just enough to say that equity is not happening, but what are the barriers that are preventing equitable education from happening? Okay, so that is a full definition in a nutshell in terms of what an equity audit is. Let's move on to the second point that I have here which is around current directives of equity audits, okay? So many school district leaders, I should say, who are prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion may often start their equity journey with conducting an equity audit, okay? So in the state of New York, for example, and I'm highlighting New York because that's where I started my company. (laughs) I don't really have any clear rhyme or reason. But I'm going to highlight an example with Chancellor Lester Young, for example, of the New York State Board of Regents. So in recent years, public schools in New York have received clear directives from the U.S. Department of Education and the New York State Education Department to address equity in our schools. In 2021, Chancellor Lester Young of the New York State Board of Regents issued a call to action for school districts to develop policies to create equitable, inclusive, and culturally responsive schools. An equity audit is a leadership tool that district leaders can use to help develop such equitable and inclusive policies, all right? So I'm not going to read the whole call to action statement here on this podcast, but of course there is a link available and you are more than welcome to click on it and view Chancellor Young's call to action statement, but essentially what he's doing is issuing this sentiment of urgency, right? He's creating this sense of urgency for school district leaders to prioritize equity, prioritize culturally responsiveness. And again, a part of this work that Chancellor Young is advocating for involves us to understand the current situation, the current state. And an equity audit can help us to understand what that current situation is. Okay, let's get into the nuts and bolts here of the priority areas and guiding questions. So here is also a lot of information that I'm going to share with you around the priority areas. So say, for example, you are a superintendent, maybe you are a principal, maybe you are a school board president. 
and you all have have agreed upon and have voted to conduct an equity audit within your school or district. Okay, yay, (laughs) right? And maybe you all are going to use in-house resources and build on internal capacity to do the work, or perhaps you all are going to partner with an external service provider or an external consultant group to help you all with the work. Whichever direction you all take is what works best for you. So whichever process you take is totally fine. But you might run up against the question around what are the priority areas for the audit? Okay, so what areas, what areas of school operations should we explore and investigate within this audit? Okay, what data collection points are we actually collecting? Okay. So again, an equity audit process involves the utilization of qualitative and quantitative methods, and this specifically includes document analysis, focus groups, interviews, open-ended and closed-ended surveys to identify and analyze ongoing disparities, equity gaps, and biases that may be present within the school district or organization. So here are several areas, and make sure you write these areas down. Here are seven different areas that you can prioritize for your equity audit. I'm going to share the areas first, and then I'll give you some questions and more information about each area. So leadership and policy is priority area number one. Priority area two, culture and climate. Priority area three, family and community engagement. Priority area four, human resources. Priority area five, curriculum and teaching. Priority area six, district data. And priority area seven, finances and budgeting. Okay. Now, there are some other areas that can either be its own area or can be sort of timed in with the other areas. So, for example, a priority area eight might be discipline and accountability, right? Thinking about suspensions, office referrals, that sort of thing. Another area could also be around educational programming, okay? So thinking about placement, student academic placements for students, placements in special ed, talented and gifted, that sort of thing. But that could also be within district data. So some of these areas can be sort of combed out a bit more finely, or we can make these subgroups within different areas. Okay, the first area, leadership and policy. Okay, here are some questions that you can ask yourself within leadership and policy. So what system practices or policies are helping or hindering equitable opportunity, access, experience, and achievement for various stakeholder groups, okay? So again, leadership and policy is looking at the specific practices or policies that are either helping or hindering equitable opportunity, access, experience, and achievement for various stakeholder groups. So within the leadership and policy area, we're looking at all of the high-level policies and plans that the district has formulated that are either moving towards equity or moving away from equity, okay? In terms of some evaluation methods, we can use focus groups, okay? So we can have focus groups with administrators. We can have focus groups with the school board members. 
We can have focus groups with the deans, behavior deans and academic deans. We can definitely do some document analysis, okay? So analyzing existing strategic plans within the district, analyzing an equity plan that the school board may have developed, analyzing the student handbook, okay? Analyzing the school calendar, analyzing the school website, okay? So there are lots of documents that can be analyzed to help give us this data and information. And then of course, we can also do some interviews and surveys. Area number two, culture and climate, okay? Culture and climate is so important, right? Because this is the inclusion piece when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I always like to say that diversity is who we are, equity is what we do, and then inclusion is how we feel. So in order for us to measure the inclusion, we have to look at the culture and climate. So this is around the question of how do people experience the environment of the district, okay? What is their perception of inclusion within the district, okay? This is also looking at issues of safety and belonging, okay? In what ways or to what extent do people feel that they are included or that they belong within a certain environment of the district or organizations, okay? So again, culture and climate, how do the staff, students, and stakeholders experience the environment of the district, all right? And then, of course, with culture and climate, you can do focus groups. You can do some document analysis as well as well as interviews. Family and community engagement. This is so important, right? This is priority area three. So this is an opportunity to have very honest and transparent conversations with the parents, with the family members, as well as with any other community partners around their sense of belonging as the adults within the district, as the non-employee adults, okay? So the question that we can ask ourselves, in what ways are parents, family, and community stakeholders' voices included or excluded in the district's decision-making processes? Another question that we can ask ourselves is around a sense and the sense of belonging and a sense of feeling welcome, okay? And this sense of feeling welcome is also important for parents and families who are either new to the district or new to the country. Okay, so a lot of school districts right now are really struggling with diversity in terms of welcoming new families who are either new to the city, new to that state, or either new to the country as a whole. And how are you as a district, how are you all welcoming these new families? Okay, and again, keeping in mind families who are even new to the country right? Families that may not have a sense of the cultural norms of America, who may be coming to the country with their own set of unique challenges and limitations, perhaps not even knowing English fully, etc. So in what ways do new families feel welcome as they are trying to enroll their child or children into your district, okay? So the family and community engagement area is a really important area for us to capture those perspectives from parents, families, as well as community partners. The community partners piece is also important because these are folks who are perhaps faculty members at universities. These are people who are working at nonprofit and local nonprofit organizations or other 
institutions within the local community of the district? In what ways do they feel that they belong within your district? Okay. Area number four is human resources, right? HR. I see a lot of companies are now using the word talent management or talent acquisition. So if you're using human resources or talent management, you know, whatever, (laughs) whatever language is fine. But the question that we can ask ourselves with human resources is what biases might be present with current human resource practices and policies that might be contributing to hiring and retainment disparities? Okay. So I've talked on this podcast before, I think actually just maybe two or three episodes. So maybe episode 63 or 64 around this very topic, right? Addressing racial disparities within human resource practices. This is a question that a lot of school districts and organizations in general are struggling with, right? How do we hire a racially diverse workforce? How do we recruit a racially diverse workforce? And how do we keep, okay? How do we keep? How do we sustain a racially diverse workforce? So there are lots of questions and lots of data that can be collected and analyzed within human resources that can give us this information, right? We can look at the language that is used in crafting job descriptions. We can look at the application process in general, right? We can look at the onboarding process and we can even look at the new hire orientations. So there are various steps and phases even within human resources that we can examine for diversity, equity, and inclusion within this whole equity audit. So that is like a whole nother conversation that I may even do like a a separate workshop on around promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion within human resources, because there is a lot that can be unpacked within HR. All right, area number five. I know I've been talking a lot. Woo! (laughs) My mother used to say, she said, Carla, you just love to talk. I say, mama, I know, I know, mama, I know. (laughs) But the podcast is a good way for me to talk and share this information. So thank you as my podcast listening community for supporting your girl. Thank you. All right. All right. Area number, where are we? Area number five. Area number five, one of my favorite areas to talk about, which is curriculum and teaching. And, you know, as a previous high school English teacher, this for obvious reasons would be one of my favorite areas. But there is so much to unpack and explore and evaluate in the equity audit as it relates to curriculum and teaching. There's so much to look at, so much data. For example, we can analyze textbooks. We can look at the state standards and analyze the Common Core standards and other city or state standards through a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. We can look at student work and student assignments and evaluate student work. We can talk to students and ask them about their perceptions of the curriculum that they are receiving. We can look at teachers' instructional materials, okay? We can look at other curriculum. There's just so much that we can examine within curriculum and teaching. We can do classroom observations, okay? I do want us to be mindful of certain, I don't want to say liabilities, but we want to be mindful of like teacher union 
policies that might be in place around observations. So just keep that in mind. But there, there is room to, e- I don't want to say evaluate teachers' instruction, but to evaluate their instruction through a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. And again, these teacher evaluations, I'm not advocating for these to be punitive of any sort, but just to start the conversation, like what does curriculum, excuse me, what does culturally responsive teaching actually look like in practice, okay? There is a lot of scholarship and a lot of theory on culturally responsive teaching. Shout out to Dr. Gloria Lassen-Billings for being, as I like to say, the godmother, but she built culturally responsive teaching on many scholars who have been advocating for very similar pedagogical models. So I just want to say that, and that's a whole nother podcast as well, kind of given to talk about the historical backdrop of culturally responsive teaching. And I need to get Gloria and Dr. Lassie Billings on this podcast. I need to quit playing. So you all help me out. Let's put it out there into the universe. We're going to get Dr. GLB onto this podcast. But in any case, there is a lot of work that we can do around curriculum and teaching because oftentimes teachers will say that their instruction is equitable. They will say that their instruction is culturally responsive, right? They will say that they are using inclusive models and inclusive practices within their teaching. They will say that, yes, okay? But what does that look like in practice? Okay. What does that look like in practice? And how do we know that? Okay. How do we know when we are looking at culturally responsive teaching? Like, as a principal, if you observe the teacher, like, how do you know that what you just saw, what you just witnessed was culturally responsive teaching in action? Like, how, how do you know that? Like, what does she incorporate in her instruction or his instruction or their instruction? What was incorporated within the instruction to make you say, yes, this was culturally responsive teaching right here at its finest? How do we know that? Okay. I just did a podcast, actually the previous episode, episode 65, where I gave some examples of some films where you could have conversations about racial and social justice. And two of the films that I mentioned, I would argue, I would say, are prime examples of seeing culturally responsive teaching in action, okay? One of those films was Precious Knowledge. I love that documentary. And then the other film was the Marva Collins story, okay? Featuring Cicely Tyson as Marva Collins. Those two films, I would say, are excellent films for you to see what culturally responsive teaching looks like in action and in practice, okay? so. With this area, with area five of curriculum and teaching, that's one of the things that we're trying to get at with this priority area. That's what we're trying to understand here is we're trying to say, what does this look like in practice or in action? Okay, it's not enough just for us to say, yes, I'm incorporating equity in my instruction. Yes, I'm creating these inclusive learning experiences for all of my students. But how do we know that? Okay. Here's another question that we can ask within curriculum and teaching, and then I'll move on to area six. What are the current practices in use that are contributing to the closing of academic achievement gaps? Ooh, I'm going to say that question again. What are the current instructional practices in use that are contributing to the closing of academic achievement gaps? Okay. 
So in other words, what sort of teaching, what sort of pedagogy, what sort of learning environments are being created that are contributing to the closure of these achievement gaps? Okay. All right. Priority area number six is district data. Okay. District data. So up until all of these areas, priority areas one through five, I would say have been more focused on the qualitative research. And so again, qualitative being the focus groups, qualitative. Qualitative is capturing more of the experiences. Okay. So it's the opportunities for people's voices and perspectives and opinions to be heard and to be documented, right? That's more of the qualitative. That's the focus groups. Those are the interviews. Those are the open-ended surveys where people have the opportunity to really go into detail about their experiences. District data, though, I would say will probably take more of a quantitative approach. And so the quantitative being more of the statistical analysis, you know, sort more so of the running the numbers, right? Counting the numbers, analyzing the numbers and looking at the numbers. Okay. Also within district data, within priority area six, this is also where we are calculating our disproportionality analyses. Okay. And again, this is where we are running the numbers. We're trying to understand what the disproportionalities are in the district. And, you know, even like what are the root causes of some of these disproportionalities? Okay. So shout out to Dr. Eddie Fergus. He's my go-to scholar for understanding disproportionality. And then I have a previous episode with Dr. Chris DePhillips, where we also talk about disproportionality. So make sure you listen to that episode for more detailed discussion about disproportionality. But when we're talking about district data, This is the opportunity for us to understand where these disproportionalities lie, okay? So the question that we can ask ourselves here is how does a quantitative analysis of district data demonstrate patterns of inequity, bias, or disparities, okay? What sort of disparities are we seeing? So we can look at student attendance data. We can look at student enrollment data. We can look at data on office referrals. We can look at data on suspensions. We can look at educational programming placements, right? So special ed placements, placements within talented and gifted and honors classes and AP classes, all right? These are all points of district data that we can analyze. And then, of course, we can analyze all of this district data through a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. So looking at these numbers within the categories of race, of gender, of socioeconomic status, and then language ability, as well as ability and disability or neurodiversity, okay? We can also look at this data from the socioeconomic categories, okay? So there's a lot of data, a lot of quantitative data that can be collected and analyzed for priority area number six, okay? And again, priority area six is helping us to identify those disproportionalities with the intention of remedying those disproportionalities with future and ongoing equity work. All right, and a last area that we oftentimes don't talk about with equity work is the money, okay? Let's talk about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay. So priority area seven is the finances and budgeting, right? The dollar dollar bills. Okay. All right. Now, I'm not going to say this is a sensitive area because it's not that it's a sensitive area, but it's an area that people don't often like to talk about, you know, and I would say even to even within personal spaces, you know, it's just not like, you know, it's not polite to talk about money, you know, especially around like spending money and expenses and things like that. But from a business standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, having conversations about money and finances is extremely important, right? Understanding the bottom line, understanding the return of investments, understanding the profits and losses, right? I mean, no sort of business institution, school district or organization can expect to stay afloat if there is not proper and sound financial management in place, right? So we have to talk about money, regardless as to whether or not people are comfortable or uncomfortable. And I would, I would strongly advocate for us to start talking about finances and expenditures and budgeting within the context of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And again, I might have a separate podcast episode where I do more of a deep dive into this topic because oftentimes... When I see diversity, equity, and inclusion work, I rarely see and hear conversations specifically talking about the money, right? But again, it deserves a space. Finances and budgeting deserves a space in this equity work and in these equity conversations because we want to be able to ask ourselves, and here's the main question here, how are the district's financial resources distributed in ways that contribute to educational equity or that move away from educational equity, okay? So as a district, how are you spending your money in ways that are working to close equity gaps, okay? That's the light bulb question right there. How is the district spending money in ways that are closing equity gaps, okay? Another equity question that we can also ask ourselves within this finances and budgeting category is around pay equity, right? And salary equity, okay? Now, I know a lot of teacher unions are already tackling that work, but again, you know, we can create some conversation around ensuring that all employees are being paid equitably, okay? So again, there's a lot more that can talk about that. If you give me some time, I'm going to do some research and put my thoughts and ideas together to do more of a deeper dive around the finances and budgeting. All right, you all. We talked a lot on this podcast, or I talked a lot, okay, around an equity audit. And I gave you a high-level framework for conducting an equity audit. And so again, those seven areas of the equity audit would be, those seven priority areas would be leadership and policy as area one. Area two could be culture and climate. Area three can be family and community engagement. Area four can be human resources. Area five can be curriculum and teaching. Area six can be district data. And then area seven would be finances and budgeting, okay? 
So seven areas, and then I gave you a lot of questions and a lot of areas, a lot of information that you can explore within each of these areas that can help you when you are conducting your equity audit. Okay, so I also ask for you to stay tuned because I want to share with you a little bit of information. I'm going to probably do another podcast too where I go more into this workshop, but just be on the lookout. Make sure you are connected with me on social media. Make sure that you subscribe to my email list and then make sure you continue to keep listening to this podcast because in the very, very near future, I'm going to be having a live workshop I'm going to go more into and provide more information about conducting a district-wide equity audit, okay? So I'm going to offer a course that will primarily be for district administrators. So this would be for principals, for superintendents, for school board members, as well as any other members of executive leadership who are interested in conducting an equity audit. And so I'll be providing you with strategies, with questions, more specific questions, resources, templates, and guidelines that you can use for conducting your equity audit. So even a lot of this information that I'll share here, I'm going to actually have this typed up for you. And so with the workshop, when you register for the workshop, you will have access to to all of these questions in addition to a plethora of additional resources and processes that you can use. And so the workshop will really be a game plan with a five-step process to help you to conduct an equity audit from start to finish. So I'm going to share with you the process that we use at the Equity Leadership Group and that with this information, you can then conduct your equity audit within your school district, okay? So make sure to stay tuned for more information about this course. Again, I will share a discount code with my podcast community. So if you are interested, you can enroll and register by the cutoff date. Okay. So thank you for listening to this informative episode. I hope the information on here will be helpful for you as you are continuing or if you are starting your equity journey. So I hope this information and talking about an equity audit can give you a solid foundation to help you get started, okay? So as always, thank you for listening to the Equity Experience Podcast. I hope that this information was helpful. Until next time, I look forward to speaking with you. You make sure you take care of yourselves, love yourself, love your family, love your community, love the world. All right, bye-bye, you all. Stay tuned for next episodes. Bye-bye.